I hope so. I mean, look, I, you know, when, when they're attacking you, that means you're over the target. So we're, we're happy to field that and, and we'll, uh, we'll hold our own because at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm running to actually win the presidency and do all these great things. All right, Kelly Meyer reporting live from the Iowa State Fair. Thanks so much. And thank you for trusting us tonight on Ballads with Leland Bitter. It's coming up next. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. See you again tomorrow night. On the program tonight, Boiling Point. After promising to welcome illegal immigrants with open arms, Northeast Democrats are now sounding the alarm over them. And we are at the breaking point. How the tables have turned on so-called sanctuary cities. The inevitable nominee. Iowa's performed very well uh, for former President Trump. And I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of momentum on the ground. Republican candidates head to the Hawkeye State. Are they wasting their time? Gold digger. New signs the FBI may be hiding $500 million in missing gold from the Civil War. Meet the man who says he found it first. We were confined to vehicles. We were told that we weren't allowed to go up and see the dig. Um, By the time we got to go up, it was just a big, empty, massive hole. Give me the beef. Turns out plant-based fake meat isn't better for you or the environment. How the all-American cheeseburger stage to come back. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, Democrats ring the alarm bells on illegal immigration in sanctuary cities. Of course, they don't call it that. Evil Republican governors are to blame for allowing migrants to head north once they cross the Rio Grande. But of the most progressive minds, they can hardly contain their anger. This influx of people, they say, must stop. From Illinois to Massachusetts, from California to New York City, they just can't take it anymore. We find ourselves in this situation, and it's unsustainable. For this reason, today I am declaring a state of emergency in Massachusetts. They won't tell us how many infants, children, seniors, or families are on board. They won't tell us what route they take or when they will arrive. They won't provide any information that would actually help their fellow Americans welcome and care for these human beings. You are a sanctuary state. Why don't you embrace them and say thank you for sending them? I wasn't. We embrace everybody here. We should not be burdened the weight of this problem. Hmm. Of course, the mayors and governors of border states find this a little laughable. Take El Paso, Texas, that routinely sees the Border Patrol release 900 illegal immigrants in a day. First, Massachusetts, you heard from their governor that's declaring a state of emergency. All right. Appears, uh, Massachusetts appears paralyzed by 50 in 48 hours. Let's for a second focus on New York City. The issue there is ever graver. The mayor warns illegal immigration, as you heard, could decimate the city and will cost the Big Apple $12 billion a year to take care of asylum seekers. Of course, back in June, Mayor Eric Adams said he would open the mayor's house to a family or two in need. I was speaking with the staff to see if I can put a few families into Gracie Mansion. You know, uh, I'm a big believer in leading from the front. All right, things have changed rapidly, clearly, in the Big Apple. The mayor says Republican governors created a funnel from the border to New York, 
and it could decimate the city. What's more is there's a split now between Adams and President Biden. Mr. Biden kicked Mayor Adams off his campaign advisory panel. And now the White House is sending a representative to smooth things over. George Will is here, News Nation senior political contributor, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist. Look, we've been covering the border. You and I have been talking about it since this program began. In a way, it's kind of humorous to see liberal governors and Eric Adams now suddenly see the problem and and face this problem. Is it something more significant than just politics? It's, first of all, the wages of virtue signaling. New York fancies itself the capital of American progressivism. Boston is synonymous with progressivism, and both cities are synonymous with immigration. The Irish built modern Boston. Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty, it's all in the, the culture and the historical memory of New York City. But suddenly we're seeing, the, Leland, the immigration issue dovetail with the crime issue. Crime, not because immigrants and the migrants are committing crimes, they're really not, but because both signal to the public disorder. That's all they see. You see people sleeping on the streets. You see people shooting up drugs on the streets. You see looting in the streets or taking over of stores. And to the the rest of the public, they say something feels wrong here. Control of borders is an essential attribute of national sovereignty. It's one of the few things that everyone agrees on, left and right and center. And until that happens, we can't have a sensible discussion about what policy ought to be going forward because you can't have a policy in the midst of chaos. The only policy there is to get order. And to see New York City, which is proudly progressive, from Mayor LaGuardia, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, all of these people, now they see that that the wages of this are more complicated than they thought. Well, it's way more complicated. It's also way easier to talk about this problem when it's not your problem, when it's, you know, Governor Abbott's problem. And I remember when everybody sort of made fun of Governor Abbott for declaring a state of emergency for Operation Lone Star because he said... We can't deal with all of these people sleeping in our streets in New York and everybody else said, oh, don't worry about it. We, we deal with this stuff all the time. There appears, though, to be a real split happening now in the Democratic Party. Uh, we're going to play back to back here. Um, first, Joe Biden in the debate in 2021, trying to or 2020, trying to draw a distinction between himself uh, and Donald Trump. And then Eric Adams, one of the more progressive mayors in America, uh, criticizing Joe Biden's policies. Take a listen. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. All right, evidently we're having a little problem trying to play the Eric Adams soundbite. This is what he said. The faucet is flowing. We have to make sure we stop the faucet. We have to make sure we have real decompression strategy at the border. I don't know what decompression strategies mean. And we have to ensure we have real immigration reform because it's not going to continue. It is not sustainable. That almost sounds like a Republican. It does. First of all, the three words that Biden uttered in that debate, you should come, I mean, that is made for a negative ad. And I think we'll probably hear them again. New York City is a generous welfare state full of entitlements, and the entitlements don't discriminate. 
if you're there and if you're hungry, if you need shelter, they have laws that require the budget to be found for, for this. Now, you just can't print money. That's what the federal government can print money, and Lord knows it does indiscriminately. New York, in some way, has to make its resources and its policies fit, and they, they diverge radically when the immigrants come to town. All right. How is this going to now play out? We know the Republican nomination fight. It doesn't really have an issue because all Republicans say they're going to secure the border. Are we at a point yet where this is going to require real changes of policy by Democrats? And we've, and we've seen, right, that President Biden has changed some policies in a nod to the problems at the border are creating political problems at home. I, I, I think the Democrats are going to flounder on this one a bit. Republicans have their issues on which they can't talk since because of the conflicting pressures within their party. The Democrats in this way have to, they have to always understand that the people on the left are saying, we are the party of compassion, we are the party of tolerance, we are the party of welcoming people into the embrace of our entitlement state, and it turns out to be extremely expensive. And when the entitlement state begins to be perceived as a magnet for these people, the very structure of the basic democratic achievement of since the New Deal, the entitlement state, begins to be questioned. Well, and you sort of heard Mayor Adams begin to at least lay this thing. We, we can't afford this anymore. That's something that the Democrats and progressives don't normally say. Well, the word that you're going to hear, we just heard from the governor of Massachusetts, it's unsustainable. Well... That doesn't mean you can't, you're not going to have to try to sustain it. You can't just say unsustainable and it stops. It goes right on until things break. All right. George, it's good to see you as always. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Turns out plant-based fake meat isn't better for you or the environment. And, well, we all know it never tasted good. So the fake meat is heading to a landfill near you. Fake meat, fake news. Of course, a few years ago, plant-based meats would end the need for cows, and it would solve global warming. Kim Kardashian signed up as Beyond Meat's chief taste consultant. Beyond Meat took off on Wall Street despite almost no sales. And you can see what's happened to Beyond Meat stock from 300 all the way down. And of course, cows love the idea. Plus, without cow emissions, the world wouldn't heat up, etc. It was going to solve everything. Beyond Meat just reported a 30% drop in sales this quarter alone. Everybody knows... Well, about fake meat that people just don't like it. Rick Berman has been part of the failure of fake meat, president of RBB Strategies, former executive vice president of public affairs for Pillsbury Restaurant Group, and joins us now. All right, Rick, um, what is that? What's that old line? Nothing kills a bad product faster than good advertising. Yeah. Well, in this case, they could have advertised a whole lot less and maybe done uh, a whole lot better, but. What really kills uh, any introduction of a new food is not being able to sell something that tastes good, that smells good, that's got good mouth texture, uh, and that's priced right. And this, uh, this product has fallen on hard times in every one of those four categories. It tastes terrible. It doesn't smell good. Mouth texture is something like cardboard, and it's two or three times more expensive. So if they could just solve those four problems, they'd be doing just fine. 
So what was this? Was this sort of a social fad? And I know you, you know, you you were against this for a while and you were part of the, the process that sort of exposed fake meat for what it was. But was it was it more about virtue signaling than it was about what tasted good? Yeah, you know, a couple of these people who got behind this early were trying to save the planet. Uh, it's another one of these uh, opportunities to make money by looking like you're doing the right thing. And they were telling people that not only were they going to save the planet, but that it was healthy, uh, healthier for you than natural meat. And if you take a look at the ingredients on the back of the label, uh, on the label of some of these products, you will see that there is nothing natural and clearly nothing healthy about this. Um, They've got titanium dioxide in some of these products. Remind yourself that this is not only hamburgers. Uh, This is hamburgers, pork, bacon, chicken. Um, But when you put something like titanium dioxide in the product, when you put methyl cellulose in the product, and you say that this is good for you, they have no idea. In fact, none of these products have ever combined all of these ingredients in one new product and can guarantee you that in 20 years, there's not some negative effect because these products, these ingredients have never been together in any one product that you're putting in your body. Um, All right, so so to to be fair, Ethan Ethan Brown, president and CEO of Beyond Meat, as we look to the future, we remain steadfast in our belief that plant-based meat, and Beyond Meat specifically, will play an important part of the global response to a climate crisis that appears to be rapidly intensifying while also delivering health benefits to the individual consumer. Uh, Ethan Brown founded Beyond Meat in 2009. What's curious to me is why so many people got behind this in the beginning because they they want to call it meat which by definition it's not because it doesn't come from an animal but that people seem to almost create this fad or cult around the idea of it you know it it is it absolutely was a fad i mean but it, it fell apart just as quickly as rubik's cubes fell apart everybody was into it at first but all the curiosity died off after one taste and they haven't made it any better. Um, in fact, if you go to the grocery store today, whereas before, you know, go back four years ago when they were when they were flacking this stuff in the grocery store, you could find it next to all the various natural meats. Today, when you go in, it, it's all frozen because the grocery store can't keep the stuff fresh uh, and be guaranteed that their that their product isn't going to spoil. And so they just hmm. they freeze all the stuff. This is what's telling you about what the consumer thinks as opposed to what Ethan Brown thinks. Yeah, consumers have a funny way of letting us know for themselves uh, what they do uh, and do not think about things. I think it's fascinating, too, uh, Rick, and you called this when you when you put up the, the chart in terms of what happened uh, with the stock there. So, all right, uh, Rick, thank you very much. Uh, as we can see, the uh, the plant-based meat situation uh, has, has disintegrated. Amazing how that works. Rick, thank you. Thank you, Leland. For all the talk about the Republican primary, new polling shows it might be over before it starts. This from the Daily Mail, new polling from JL Partners, shows Republican voters in Iowa stand 452 days out from the general election. Trump holds a commanding lead, 43%, followed by DeSantis at 17%. 11% of Republican voters are still undecided. Tim Scott now in third place. Surging, you might say. The most important word there is Iowa. The first Republican contest, the nominating contest, the caucus is less than six months away. 
And this weekend kicks off the Iowa State Fair, a literal cattle call of presidential candidates. With us now, Pat Grassley, Speaker of the Iowa House of Representatives, grandson of the longtime Senator Chuck Grassley. Mr. Speaker, it is good to see you, sir. I, I know you haven't endorsed anybody, but just give us the tea leaves here. Um, is How commanding is Donald Trump's lead in reality versus polling? Uh, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I think, as you've seen, you know, Iowa's performed very well uh, for former President Trump. And I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of momentum on the ground. A lot of people you talk to have a significant amount of loyalty to the past president. He has spent a lot of time here, not just leading up to this cycle, but while he was president, while he was running for re-election. So he's put a lot of time in uh, just by his past experiences. And so that plays a big role with Iowans. And I think his policies... Uh, that he supported, especially when it comes to agriculture and the economy, really play well in the state, and there's a track record there. All right, so we think about the next two weeks in Iowa, and every every presidential candidate is there. It's it's tradition. It is the unofficial start, I think you could say, of, of the election. Is there a lane for them? Well, I think that's the beautiful thing about Iowa. I think there's always a lane for every candidate. If you just list it off, uh, leading into this, you know, you're seeing someone like uh, Senator Tim Scott making moves within the state because he's putting in the work, he's putting in the, he's investing his time uh, and money into the state. And that's one thing why I think Iowa being first in the nation really is a unique opportunity because you don't have to have the biggest organization. You can go to county to county, you can do the full Grassley visit each 90, all 99 counties, meet with uh, uh, activists within each county. And the important part about that is, Iowans know how to ask the questions that it takes and what to ask a president. We've been doing this long enough now. They take their role very seriously. And I think that's why you see here in Iowa, Republicans are very energized to participate in that process after the Democrats pulled their caucuses away from Iowa. Uh, I think yeah. the Republicans have used this as an opportunity and are energized by that decision that the Democrats and Joe Biden have made to basically say Iowa's not important as part of this process the way it has been for years. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say that the Democrats are full, full well thumbing their noses at Iowa. Uh, President Biden wanted South Carolina to be the first nominating con contest for for Democrats. Uh, Biden is viewed favorably 34 percent of Iowans down from 37 in October of 22, viewed unfavorably 64 percent, an increase from 61 percent last year. Uh, Obama, Biden, their ticket won in 2008-2012. And since then, Iowa has gone hard right. The Wall Street Journal had a lot on this earlier in the week. Uh, we've done some segments about it, about the rural-urban divide now as, as rural Democrats almost don't exist anymore. Is it that culture uh, is upstream, politics is now downstream of culture, and rural culture is now just more aligned with Republican values? I wouldn't. So here, I'll just speak for Iowa. I wouldn't say it's just rural Iowa. We kind of have those mid-tier size. Uh, we have about three. We have a little over three million people here. And a lot of those counties and cities that are kind of anywhere from 15 to 30,000 that have been Democrat strongholds for decades. I can give you a perfect example along the Mississippi River in the city of Clinton. We haven't held that seat in the state legislature in the House for over 40 years, and we won that seat. There are cities up all over the eastern side of the state and all throughout Iowa in which historically for, and when I say several elections, I'm talking 10, 20, 30, 40 years where we have Republicans haven't even been able to compete. And now those are all seats in which we hold within the legislature. And so I think the natural question is, why is that? 
And I think the reason is, is because the message that we've been running on and we've been promoting as conservatives and Republicans in the state have been uh, lower your taxes, allow you to decide where you can send your kids to school, that only boys should be playing with boys and girls with girls when it comes to high school athletics. I think you can go up and down the list of issues that we're connecting with, not just in rural Iowa, but even some of those uh, medium-sized cities that you're seeing in Iowa. And quite frankly, we're holding our own very well when it comes to the urban population centers here in Iowa. A lot of that, again, gets back to the momentum that exists from things like the presidential candidates coming through the state. And I think that's something that long-term will only hurt uh, the Democrat movement which in, within the state, the fact that the leadership uh, across the country has, like you said, has thumbed our nose at Iowa and yeah. said, Iowa isn't the right state to pick the nominee, where I think we have a tremendous track record, both Republican and Democrat, of showing kind of the feel of America. All right. Uh, good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. Enjoy the fair. Uh, Iowa House of Representative Speaker Pat Grassley with us. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up, outrage over rampant drugs, crime, and homelessness in San Francisco is one of the oldest businesses thinking about closing up. The campaign that business owner is launching to get leaders to listen up and save San Francisco. Can it be saved? Plus, a half a billion dollars in Civil War gold is missing, and a group of treasure hunters say the FBI stole it in the dark of night. What proof do they have that the FBI took their gold? Tomorrow, the race for... You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. In the early hours after the tsunami, it was ham radio that was on the air, saving lives. When Florida was ripped by hurricanes, the hams were there. In the critical moments after the attack of 9-11, it was the hams who coordinated emergency messages. When disasters strike, the hams are ready. Ham radio works when other communications don't. To learn how you can become a ham radio operator, call the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, at 1-800-326-3942. You know that Big Bargain detergent jug is 80% water, right? 80% water? I thought I was getting a better deal because it's so big. If you want a better clean, Tide Pods are only 12% water. The rest is pure, concentrated cleaning ingredients. Ooh, pass me the intercom thingy. Attention shoppers. If you want a real deal, try Tide Pods. Don't pay for water. Pay for clean. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide Pods. Water content based on the leading bargain liquid detergent. Save on Tide Pods at CVS. It's an era of politics like we've never seen. A new kind of politics needs a new kind of program you can trust. Welcome to The Hill on News Nation. I'm Leland Vitter. Introducing The Vice Hill. President Mike Pence joins us now. I welcome President Biden taking his record to the American people. DC's definitive source for nonpartisan political news. The Hill, weekdays at 5, 4 Central on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com memory is better. It's been about two years now, and it's working for me. Prevagen, at stores everywhere without a prescription. Ew. 
Gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. This back-to-school season, Downy and Tide are giving back with $1.5 million in scholarships. Enter to win. No purchase necessary. US and DC, 16 or older, and September 30th. Rules at Downy.com slash scholarship slash official rules. We are the Veterans Health Administration, and our hands provide life-changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Join hands with us to make an impact in your community. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Gain Flings with 50% more freshness ingredients versus leading bargain detergent. Cream. We have a very serious problem with fentanyl and drug-related crime that is, that is manifested in street conditions, homelessness, retail theft. Um, what we are seeing also that is most concerning to me, and I will say it's concerning and it's personal to me because I'm a recovering addict myself, um, but we are seeing a loss of life here that is twice as deadly as COVID-19 from drug overdose deaths. That is Matt Dorsey of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors at the News Nation Crime Town Hall earlier this month. But maybe it's a different issue than what he's talking about, because crime like drug deaths are one symptom of a much larger problem in the city. San Francisco's retail hub is turning into a ghost hub. Half the stores in the downtown area have closed since 2019. Whole Foods, Old Navy, Nordstrom. In June, the entire Westfield Mall left. We could go on. Anthropology, H&M, Crate and Barrel. The city has the highest office vacancy rate of any large American city, 25 million square feet. That's 17 of the towers you see there up for rent. San Francisco's 30 percent vacant. And now another historic San Francisco business is sounding the alarm. Gumps is the oldest continuously operated enterprise in San Francisco. The owner there says he may be forced to move if things don't change. And it'd be a big move. Gumps has been in San Francisco for a century and a half. It opened in 1861 during the gold rush. Chairman of Gumps, John Chachas, is with us now. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you. Uh, The the Board of Supervisors fellow there says that the the problem is fentanyl. 
Uh, and if it just solves the fentanyl problem, every, all these other problems go away. Is that how you see it? No. As a businessman, that's nonsense. Uh, the problems of San Francisco are multifaceted. One of them began following COVID. And lots of people don't want to talk about it because it requires, it requires a discussion that's outside of the political scene of uh, what do we do about empty offices. When we invited people during COVID to leave their offices, we decimated many American downtowns. And you see that in your statistics about empty offices. And the second part of that is bad public policy. So it's both things together. It's not one thing. It's both things. And until you've addressed both of those, the recovery of San Francisco, and by the way, San Francisco is not the only city that's facing these terrible problems. Ours are just really bad. Um, it's not just fentanyl. Uh, fentanyl is a piece of it, but a very small piece in my estimation. Now, you've called uh, this uh, the problem a tyranny of the minority. Um, and that would lead us to believe that the, the drug issues, the homelessness issues, the retail theft issues, the crime issues, all the, all the video we've seen out of San Francisco of, of lawlessness is a result of, of policies. You've laid out the, the closures of offices during COVID, and obviously uh, San Francisco and, and California had some of the most restrictive COVID laws. Are there other things that you have a problem with? Well, we've, we've gone from being um, an urban society where people had norms of conduct to being one where those norms of conduct are sort of off the, off the table now. And we love the city. Gumps wants to be here for another hundred years. We have customers that want to come into our beautiful store and buy beautiful things. But for, for urban centers to work, they have to have safety, accessibility, cleanliness. And San Francisco uh, is getting poor grades on all of those levels, all of them. So there's something in what has happened in what city ordinances, you know, it used to be it wasn't permissible to distribute uh, or use illegal substances in public. That's changed. It used to be you couldn't bathe in the, you know, in the fountain below the Apple store. Today, it's like a public bath. It used to be you couldn't sleep on sidewalks. All of that has been um, changed under leadership in San Francisco to accommodate what I call uh, this minority who are destroying the quality of life for everyone else in this city, and that needs to change. That just needs to be reversed, and we need to stop talking about it in veiled tones and pretending like there's some other cause. The, the, the rules of engagement and the rules of conduct in San Francisco need to be put back in place and enforced. All right, and this has been a conscious choice, and we've covered this extensively on the program by yes. uh, leaders in San Francisco and by leaders in California at all in terms of how they deal with crime and how they deal with businesses and on and on and on. Do you think that they didn't really understand the the inevitable uh, situation that was going to result from all of these policies? Is it bad intentions? Is it they're socialist? What is it? I, I don't think it's bad intentions. I think two things occurred. The first is people are underestimating and underplaying uh, the impact of people working in their offices three days a week. Let me just put it clearly. I, I'm, a, I'm a businessman. I have an MBA from Harvard. Three-day-a-week work doesn't work in any American city, and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So the sooner the governors in this country take uh, the power that they have and take action to put people back into their offices five days a week, mm. the sooner that urban centers can try to recover. This is true in San Francisco. It's true in New York. Walk Madison Avenue from 59th Street to 96th yeah. Street. I mean, it's astonishing the kind of empty retail space you have in various cities in this country. It is on the back of COVID. No, it's a great point in, in terms of what, in what drives a city is the economic revitalization and the economic engine. I'm from, I'm from St. Louis, where, where the downtown's a ghost town. 
uh, because of policies about about the city and about uh, businesses and how businesses are treated and, and the results are predictable. Um, you said that uh, you can't really have these conversations. We're glad you're willing to and we appreciate you coming on and talking about it, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to see you. A couple of treasure hunters say the FBI stole their gold and not just a little gold, $500 million worth of gold. Confederate soldiers allegedly buried it in the middle of rural Pennsylvania as the Civil War ended. A father-son duo, Kim and Dennis Parada, have been searching for dense-run gold for decades. But when the Paradas got there, what they found was a much different story. Joining us now, founder of Finders Keepers treasure hunting business, Kim Parada himself. All right, Kim, uh, you guys think the FBI stole it. What proof you got? Well, for clarification, we never wanted the gold to be ours. We never said that we owned the gold. Uh, we want the gold to go to the rightful owners, rather right? be the federal government, a foreign agency, the state. It belongs to the rightful owners. We would just like recognition, a finder's fee of that. The, uh, the FBI was in agreement with that. We had an agreement that we could be there on site. We could watch the dig happen. We could see what we were searching for for years come out of the ground, our hard work coming out to light. And, and we were robbed of that moment. We were confined to vehicles. We were told that we weren't allowed to go up and see the dig. Um, by the time we got to go up, it was just a big, empty, massive hole. And All right. What, wanted- what evidence is there? Because the FBI says there was nothing there. Uh, they don't have any gold. What, what makes you so convinced that this $500 million worth of gold, all this civil gold, gold war, civil war gold was there? Over the years, I mean, we've had multiple different pieces of treasure hunting equipment up there. I mean, ground radar, low, uh, ground penetrating locators, uh, you named it, we used it, map dousers, um, long-range locators, dousing rods, like everything. We used it over the course of 10 years, and everything screamed gold, gold, silver, gold at this exact site. When we got the FBI, they brought a third-party contractor in who used uh, a a gravimeter, sorry, and uh, they even scanned the ground and confirmed seven to nine tons of gold and silver were being detected at that location. After the FBI, what what happens now? You you guys think the FBI took the gold, and the FBI says they didn't take the gold. Uh, How do you how do you how do you prove this and what do you want out of it? Well, afterwards we went up there and we scanned the ground and we're no longer getting these readings. Whatever was there is no longer there after the FBI left. And can I come out and say, Hey, they stole the gold. I can't say that because if they owned it, it's theirs. However, they're claiming they didn't find anything, but they're not proving the documents. They're not providing the documents proving that they found nothing. And when we do get information from them, it's lies. We're told that they didn't take any video footage, but yet we have pictures and video of them taking video footage. And when confronted with that evidence, they turn around and say, oh, yeah, we did take video footage. Here you go. And it's just, it's just a very huh. frustrating situation. Yeah, I can imagine, especially since you guys spent, what, a couple of decades almost and a lot of money and time and effort and energy trying trying to find this wild story. Dates back to the Civil War. All right, we're going to follow it. Um, Kim, when, as things go on in court, and the more, the more evidence you get from the FBI, 
uh, give it to us, all right? We'd love to hear from you, all right? Absolutely. We love transparency. Yeah, well, so, so do we. It's only fair. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Keep up, keep up the fight. Speaking of the FBI, Republicans in Congress say they have proof the FBI targets Catholics and religious conservatives is common practice. The new evidence and why the FBI director can't get his story straight when we come back. Well, what I can tell you is you're referring to the Richmond product, which was a single product by a single field office. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Ew. Gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. This back-to-school season, Downy and Tide are giving back with $1.5 million in scholarships. Enter to win. No purchase necessary. US and DC, 16 or older, and September 30th. Rules at Downy.com slash scholarship slash official rules. All right, son. Time to put out this campfire. Dad, we learned about this in school. Oh, did you now? Okay. What's first? Smokey Bear said to. First drown it with a bucket of water, then stir it with a shovel. Wow, you sound just like him. Then he said. If it's still warm, then do it again. Where can I learn all this? It's all on SmokeyBear.com with other wildfire prevention tips, because only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. My daughter was diagnosed with a rare malignant rhabdoid tumor on the spine. They sent her straight to St. Jude. My hope was gone. But when you get there, everyone's like, hey, we're not going to give up. And when you see other people not giving up on your child, that makes all the difference in the world. When I found out I didn't have to pay, I was just grateful. They saved my baby's life. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Do you want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational positions are available, and training is provided. Anyone can be a volunteer. You just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Out if you're already a victim at hometitlelock.com. I got this KitchenAid stand mixer for only $56. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. For many kids living in poverty, summer isn't fair. It can mean isolation, hunger, and falling behind. Help us make summer fair at savethechildren.org slash fair. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. 
I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Spot it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Patty! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet! It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Well, what I can tell you is you're referring to the Richmond product, which was a single product by a single field office, which as soon as I found out about it, I was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from FBI systems. All right, that's the FBI director a few months ago talking about a memo from the Richmond field office targeting Catholic groups as domestic terrorists. As you heard, he said one office and he took care of it. Now, there are serious questions whether or not that's true. The House Judiciary Committee just released this statement. The FBI Richmond Field Office coordinated with multiple FBI field offices across the country to produce the memo targeting traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. The starting revelation contradicts Director Ray's testimony before the committee when he stated the FBI's actions were limited to, as you heard, quote, a single field office. Father Gerald Murray uh, is with us now. Father, it's good to see you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm guessing this doesn't come as a surprise to you. No, because uh, unfortunately, uh, religion in America has become a subject for suspicion and opposition, uh, particularly, I'm sad to say, by the Democratic Party and liberals in general. Uh, And it shouldn't be that way. In America, we have a constitutional right to practice our faith. Uh, dogma from God is a gift from heaven. Uh, we believe in it, and we want to defend it. So I think people who don't like what the Catholic Church teaches should show respect and and restraint and not use the FBI to try and shut us down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the founders had a, a thought on that in the First Amendment, but there you go. Um, FBI memo on February 14th. FBI Richmond assesses the increasingly observed interest in racially or ethnically motivated violent extremisms in traditional radical, traditional Catholic ideology almost certainly represent, presents opportunities for threat mitigation through the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development. FBI Richmond assesses RMVE interest in RTCs is likely to increase in the next 12 to 24 months in the run-up to the next general election cycle. Is that sort of a solution or a government uh, investigation in search of a problem or do they have a legitimate point that there that there are certain people who are taking their faith and albeit twisting it, but too far? No, I think it's an absurd allegation. It is far from the truth. The fact that Catholics who like the Latin mass uh, may vote Republican doesn't mean that they are enemies of the country. And certainly uh, to, you know, go all throughout the country, more than one field office kind of working together to find a conspiracy to be domestic terrorists. This is absurd. This is wrong. I was a Navy chaplain for 11 years in the reserves. Uh, Catholics are an integral part of this nation in all aspects. Uh, Catholic men and women put down their lives for this country. Now we're having the FBI show up at mass to find out if we're terrorists. This is ridiculous. 
no argument in, term, in terms of what the Catholic faith um, has done and continues to do good things for America. Massachusetts is now banning faithful Catholics from adopting children. This is the lawsuit. Um, only one reason was given for the denial of this adoption. They would not be affirming to a child who identifies as LGBTQIA. Uh, Department of Cham- uh, Child and Family Resources recorded Kitty and Mike are devoutly Roman Catholic and not only attend church with regular frequency, they both also work for local churches as mugi- musicians. Um, it, it sort of, I, I'm trying to figure this out because it's normally that the people who are church going and who are faithful, who the state looks to, uh, to provide acts of charity, and now they're being punished for it. I don't get it. I don't get it either, except for hostility on the part of that government official to uh, the teachings of the church. And I wonder, are they going to issue a policy statement that Muslims and Orthodox Jews are uh, forbidden to adopt or to be forced to parents because they will so-called affirm LGBT plus people? Uh, Basically, what we have is the sexual revolution is being used by some people in government to try and marginalize, cancel, and shut out the Catholic religion and other religions. This is not right. This is not, there's no national unanimity in law about any of this stuff. So you have to let people who are Catholic teach Catholicism and people who are Jewish to teach Judaism. And when they want to help students or children who need a, need a helping hand, that's not a threat to them. These parents, I was reading about it, uh, they're going to be charitable to the child. They're not going to try to force anything upon the child, but they will give witness to their belief. And isn't that what we all do? We believe things and we live it. And if others disagree, well, that's their right, but they have no right to shut me down. Hmm. Father, uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking about this. You've raised some uh, important points and uh, asked some important questions, which is some things that uh, appears the FBI doesn't have answers to, or at least... Uh, The original answers are less than truthful. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. Coming up, Disney just announced its own deal with a transgender influencer to sell girls' costumes. Did the mouse not learn anything from Bud Light? Coming up next. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. After I lost my mom, I lost my way. Then I found youth advocate programs, yet behavioral health services. As a little kid, I made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. YAP gives communities alternatives to residential care, youth incarceration, and neighborhood violence. After completing our program, nearly 90% of participants remain in their community. YAP works. I'm working towards a bright future. Youth advocate programs. Others talk social change. We make it happen. Learn more at yapinc.org. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave him. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper. Forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. 
While serving in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. They didn't think I was going to make it. I'm LaToya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. dollars at Ingreza.com. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I lost 52 pounds on Golo. Many Americans have missed regular dental care in the past few years. It's important to see a dentist twice a year to identify any problems early. Taking care of your oral health helps overall health. Brushing at least twice a day with fluoride toothpaste and flossing daily can help prevent oral health problems. For more information, visit hrsa.gov oral health. At Doctors Without Borders, we put patients first. And we go where we're needed most. We believe people deserve to be treated with compassion and dignity. We treat our patients completely free of charge and without regard to race, religion, or politics. And thanks to the 6 million people around the world who support our work, Doctors Without Borders will continue to put our patients first. What if one day you went to your secret hiding place and instead of what you came for, you found a phone number, 1-800-662-HELP? What would you do? Would you stop and give it some thought? Before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help. You can quit. For help with drug use, call 1-800-662-HELP for free and confidential information and treatment referral or go to samhsa.gov slash know the risks. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please, don't be a multitasker. Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. I get attacked by the left, the Democrats, Biden, Harris, the media, Trump. So I must be somebody that they consider to be a threat, because if not, you would kind of just ignore and go on. We're showing up to people's communities, and you got to earn this nomination. That's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, where our own Kelly Meyer, as he heads to the Iowa State Fair. As we told you earlier, polling shows he's got a lot of work to do in the Hawkeye State. DeSantis Senior Advisor Ryan Tyson with us now. Uh, Ryan, just for the edification for the viewers, I know you know this uh, a little bit of polling, April, Trump 41, August, Trump 43, DeSantis, April 26, August 17. And this is Iowa-centric polling. Let's look forward, not back. Uh, if uh, in six months or less, uh, after the Iowa caucuses, you and I are talking and Ron DeSantis has won Iowa, it will be because of what? Well, that's a great question. Good to be here with you today. I think the reason would be is that the governor put the time in. He got around the entire state. He went to 99 counties. He shook the hands of the caucus goers uh, that will be heading in on caucus night to brave the weather, to brave the temperatures, to sit inside of those gymnasiums, those libraries, those churches. 
to sit through two and a half hours of speeches and, and to caucus for him. So I think that would be the reason why uh, I think voters are starting to get to know him out there. They've knew, generically speaking, who he was uh, when this campaign started. But now they're starting to get to know what he's really about and what makes him tick. All right. So the argument there is good advertising helps a good product. Bad adver- good advertising hurts a bad product. Uh, but over the past few months, voters have gotten a chance to know him in Iowa. He's been in Iowa. He's done events in Iowa. We've covered him there. We've been on the trail with him. You guys have been up with ads. The Super PAC has been up with ads. And his poll numbers have gone down. How does more exposure help? Well, put in context, in context exactly what's happening with those poll numbers. Right now, what you're seeing happening in Iowa, and it's been happening all over the entire summer for that matter, uh, and it'll probably continue being this way up until the first debate and after the first debate, is voters are actually starting to take a step back. You're starting to see the commitment, the hard commitment to any and all candidates, including the former president, go down as the field has grown so big. And finally, you're seeing these voters step back, realize that, wait a minute, there's a lot of people here and they want to take their job seriously. I think if you're going to be in Iowa this weekend, uh, you've been there before. Any of us that have actually politicked in Iowa before, you realize that the caucus goers take their job very, very seriously. And with so many people in the race, I think that's what you're seeing happening. I will tell you the data points that I've been measuring in my own data And by the way, it's validated in some of these national surveys uh, that have come out in Iowa. So these national public polls that are looking at Iowa, it's actually the former president that's seen his leading indicators deteriorate over the course of the summer. His generic reelect is coming down month over month. You're seeing his intensity of his ballot support come down month over month. And perhaps most importantly, you're seeing the number of people who say that they're only considering the former president continues to go down, while the number of people who are saying that they will not consider the former president continues to go up. That's what I've seen trending over the course of the summer. All right, fair enough. And we'll, we'll see. You make a great point. These are leading indicators, whether or not that turns into people who are persuadable and then go go around and test the field. Big part of that is going to be uh, the debate uh, coming up in, in less than two weeks, the first Republican debate. Is it better for Governor DeSantis if Donald Trump shows up or not? You know, I, I don't really look at it as whether or not it's for him if he's there or if he's not. The way that I look at the debate, it's an opportunity for the governor to show his street cred as being the only consistent and proven leader on that stage. So we're welcoming the opportunity. There's going to be 15, 20 million people that are going to be tuning in watching that debate. And this is an opportunity for him, regardless of who all ends up signing the various pledges and the commitments that they're supposed to do. It's a time for him to showcase what he is about. All right, fair enough. One of the things that he has been about is, and he says it all the time, war on woke. And the first part of that war, really, the opening battle, she always say, was against Disney. Uh, just mm-hmm. today, uh, Disney has announced they're hiring a trans influencer, Sean Altman, uh, dressed up in a Minnie Mouse costume on the official Disney-style uh, site. Uh, does this prove that Disney either has, A, won the war against Governor DeSantis, or B, just doesn't care about what he says, if they're willing to do this? I think the answer to your question lies on their stock price. You look at their stock price today, you compare it back to when they weren't doing all of this stuff, and I think that answers it. Consumers and, and, and the street are reacting in the way that answers that question. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, Ryan, good to see Not you. Not fair Thanks enough, for it's the us. truth. 
<laughs> well, no, the, 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 the truth, the truth, the truth is fair. That's the whole point. <laughs> good to be with you. I, it's good. To, it's good to be with you as well. There is something special about the Iowa State Fair. It has nothing to do with the presidential candidates. That next, including some of your thoughts on fair food. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Now you can discover the mysteries of ham radio. Using modern transceivers, you can make friends all over the world. Even talk to astronauts in space, ships on the high seas, and flying aircraft thousands of miles away. Unlike phone users, ham radio operators talk absolutely free and provide vital communications during disasters or emergencies. To find out more about ham radio, visit us at ARRL.org. And remember, unlike the Internet, we crisscross the entire globe wirelessly. If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt. You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit NationalDebtRelief.com to learn more and get started. NationalDebtRelief.com. Would you let other people order for you? He'll have the Samoldianese. No, I won't. So why let others make decisions about your older years? Do you want your kids or perfect strangers choosing where you'll live or how your money gets spent? Uh, no. Go to longtermcare.gov and find your own path forward. It takes you step-by-step step through everything you need to consider about aging and all your options. Longtermcare.gov. Plan now to stay in charge or pay later. How about a mohawk? <laughs> Very funny. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Did you use your mom's car? My whole identity had been wrapped up in being a soldier. To have that so violently ripped from me when I was wounded, I was lost for a very long time. When Wounded Warrior Project came into my life, being around the other warriors, people that had similar experiences that I did, it was a game changer for me. Having King join the group, that was the beginning of a really good friendship. It's a, it's a, it's a good time. I first heard about Wounded Warrior Project through CQ. And at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I qualify. But having been a part of it, it's kind of taught me that it's not just the wounds that you can see, but it's those that you can't. When you do something like a peer support group with Wounded Warrior Project and come together from different walks of life, man, the growth is incredible. If not for Wounded Warrior Project, I really don't think that I'd be here today. 
See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection. It's the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. It's critical that we keep AM radio in cars, because when cell and Internet services are down, this free emergency service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Ed D. Starting tomorrow morning, News Nation live at the Iowa State Fair with Morning in America. We'll be there all day with some of the presidential candidates coming to you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern. At Leland Vittert on Twitter and Instagram, there's some polls up about your favorite fair foods. And we will also have a, a little bit of fun and a little bit of funnel cake while we're at the fair. We'll see you tomorrow night. Here's Chris.